Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into episode 32 of the Pegasus podcast presented by Night Sports Now. I am Bailey Adams, and I'm joined, as always, by Christian Simmons. You can find us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22, at Simmons, and go ahead and throw us a follow at Night Sports Now while you're there. Christian, one week away from kickoff. One week. So, so this is interesting because I'm looking up what the plural of the word Pegasus is. Um, because well, this is that's, where we are. You know, I, I like how this is like the most excited I've been for us to do a podcast ever because it's finally like actually a game preview podcast. And here I am looking up what the plural of Pegasus is because we got in this weird. So we thought it was Pegasi um, or I suggested it might be like deer. Like I saw a herd of Pegasus. Mm-hmm. It's Pegasides. I really don't enjoy that. So if you had more than one Pegasus, if you had two, you have two Pegasides. I don't enjoy that at all. Well, that's the word. It sounds like a disease. Yeah, but, that does not sound good. It's like it sounds like something that like when I'm watching like Tulsa and SMU on ESPNU on Friday night, they'd be like, "Do you suffer from pegasitis? <laughs> you can try this medication." It's such a specific scenario, <laughs> but it's so applicable. Like it's so relatable. I hate it how be relatable because that, that was my Friday night this week. I hate how relatable that is, though. I knew I even tweeted. I knew I was in trouble because like I was like, "Oh, this will be fun. I'll, this is how I'll spend my 8 p.m. on a Friday night." And then the first ad was, "Do you need Life Alert?" And I was like, "Oh, you're like not a good sign." I for might, me. depending on how this season goes. <laughs> um, but we're one week away. That's uh, I can't believe it. I can't believe it's here. I'm so excited. It's uh yeah, and we're like we started this. You tweeted this. What was it? Seven months ago? Well, you tweeted it last night, but seven months ago we started this podcast, and now here we are, actually talking about a real live game that's gonna happen next week. I didn't think there was a chance we'd still be doing this by the time the season started. We, we I wasn't sure. Ourselves. I thought it was I, possible. I, well, uh, my whole thing was like, I will do it because I'm sure it will be fun. But I was like, if people don't listen, I don't really want to like keep just talking because then we can this just do that true. and not be a podcast. But then people listen. So it was yeah. like, hey. Shout out to people for listening. because Shout out to all of you. We appreciate it. Yeah, it's definitely great. And speaking of people listening, Christian, we've, uh, we've, got this, we've had this in the plans for quite a while now. But after next week's game, next Thursday night, UCF, Boise State, it's going to happen at the bounce house. Uh, you and I will be recording a podcast like shortly after the game ends and Sounds it will be great. available very, very early Friday morning. So if you guys, if anyone's out there is looking for a quick post-game recap, well, I don't say, I don't want to say quick, I meant immediate post-game recap, fairly immediate. You can look quick for as it. in available immediately. Not like yeah. we're going to go, you see up on the game. Okay. Bye. Yeah. No, it'll be a lot. It'll like be a podcast do. and hopefully it'll be a fun podcast and an enjoyable one. Um, but it will be available Friday morning. So if, if you're in town for the game and you're you're driving back to wherever you came from and you want something to, to throw on the on the radio, you can have our beautiful voices just talking about UCF's hopefully a win over Boise State. Or if you're awake at 2 a.m. after the game and want a podcast, it'll be there for you. So really, it's just it's up to you. That's if anyone has thing. notifications on for our podcast, I apologize that your phone's going to buzz. Yeah, and say turn just turn it on silent. There you go. There's no, your warning. No, hear the notification and wake up and listen to the podcast. It, do whatever you want to do. I mean, fair. <laughs> but the fact is that we're one week away from kickoff, and that means there's so much to be excited about. Like week zero is on Saturday, and then early next week we'll get a UCF equipment uniform uh, or UCF equipment notification telling us what the uniform is for the game. And, and you will get a drip you report courtesy. Yeah, drip you. Yeah, drip you report from Christian Simmons on UCFnights.com, and. It's just, it's something about like, I don't know. And it's been, it's been a while and maybe it's been a while since I've been actually excited about a UCF game. Um, but the fact that just, I feel like all week next week, is just going to be the anticipation is going to keep building and building. And the like, I'm, I'm so just excited. so, so happy that it's a Thursday night and I don't have to wait all the way till Saturday. 
because but also like well first off that's great because you and me are like hardcore fans so now we can just spend saturday watching college football without stress or fear (laughs) or existential crises but the other thing is like usually like obviously i am always immensely excited when a ucf football season starts like it is it's what i live for i just spend i just spend my life waiting for ucf to come back but usually it's like ucf is back against sc state or famu but it's like like for the first time in forever we are jumping right freaking in i mean this is a huge game yeah, it's uh, it is massive. It is uh, the two premier group of five programs over the last what fifteen years, I guess you could say. I don't Pretty know much. Um, how it's been going, but we're uh, we're gonna jump right in. We're previewing this game. We're previewing a real game right now, and a game that's happening. Yeah, UCF uh, six and four uh, last year overall, five and three in the AAC, hosting Boise State five and two, five and zero oh in the Mountain West last year. Um, first ever matchup between the two programs, the only two group of five programs with multiple New Year's Six wins. That's uh, uh, you know who's not on that list? Cincinnati. Cincinnati. You know how many Cincinnati has? Do they have? Do they have one? They don't. Okay. Cincinnati has never won a New Year's Six bowl game. Just, 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 just throw that out there. For, you know, for fun, just a heads up. Cincinnati's only one. I, I mean, you know, just, just a thought. To be truthful, like I'm, I'm always like kind of can see it coming whenever you're going to like throw a little shot at, at Cincinnati after like that intro and like how we were jumping right into a game preview. I did not think this was the time you were about to start talking <laughs> about Cincinnati. I wasn't expecting to, but then you said that, no, what, what made me want to say it was because you said the two premier programs in the group of five of the last oh. 15 years. And I was like, Cincinnati fans think they're the premier program because they did the incredibly difficult thing of losing a bowl game. Um, <laughs> so I just had to remind everyone that, Hey, not only has Cincinnati, not only has UCF won a New Year's six bowl, they're one of only two, there's 59 group of five teams. UCF is one of two of them that has won multiple New Year's six bowls and Cincinnati that's infinitely more than Cincinnati who's won zero. And uh, I also want to point <laughs> out that like, there are a lot of uh, power five teams that have not done that either. Yeah. So just you know, hey, these two UCF really are. These are big time programs. This is this is like I think this game is going to do really well with TV numbers because these are two big time programs. They're two big time brands. They are more or less the only two brands outside of the Power Five that have consistently been brands. And it's absolutely the best game on that night. Uh, there's is there nothing... anything else like worth watching? Ohio State Minnesota. Depending I mean, on I'm, I'm sure, I, people will watch it because it's Ohio State, but but Minnesota's coming off kind of a rough year. I know that that would have been a way bigger game if it was coming off. South Florida and NC State. Well, I want to watch the Bulls take on the Wolfpack, two middling programs in their respective conferences. 30 minutes after UCF and Boise State kick off. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see about I that. I will be getting up and leaving the press box to go home <laughs> and watch USF take on NC State. You have fun with that. But we'll, uh, <laughs> UCF's entering this game as a five-and-a-half-point favorite at home. ESPN's FPI, which Christian loves so much, is giving UCF a 76% chance to win the game. Okay, hold on. New thing. We're not, that's, this is the first and last Pegasus podcast where we're referencing FPI for a game. We're not doing that again. We might. I will cut that from the podcast. The listeners might not even hear this. I, I really might cut that. That sounds like too much work. I don't think you'll do it. Don't try me. <laughs> <laughs> the, over and un- the over-under is set at 69 and a half points. So a lot of points, a lot of points expected, I guess. I don't know. We'll get on to our score predictions at the very end, but I, I could see it. I could see it hitting. So that's a projection that plus five and a half points. So they're saying what UCF would win like 37 to 33 or something like that. Um, supposedly, I guess. Sure. I'm not always very good at how that, how that works. Not yeah. Good well, at, we're not, we're not, you are, you gamble. With it. I'm not a, gambler, a little bit. So. I mean, I don't want you to throw it out there. Like, yes, I'm like, I'm a habitual gambler gambler. I just, 
just sometimes. I doubt no, you'll te- you'll text me and be like, guess what? I'm like, what? You're like, I just put an, I just put five dollars down on UConn to cover. <laughs> just like, congrats, man. <laughs> well, as we're as since we're on the topic, I put down uh, ten dollars on Tuesday for the Rays to win the World Series. And if it, it hits, do it. if it hits, I get $110. Like, why not make that bet? Wow, their odds are that bad. See, I we talked about this. I said if I ever did gamble, I would bet against my favorite team always. Because yeah, then I've, if they lose, at least I have money. I've been told not to bet on teams that I care about. And that's why I don't think I'll ever bet on UCF again. One, because I care about them. And two, because they let me down, I think, every time that I uh, gamble on them. So I won't bet on them anymore until I probably will this season. Uh, maybe even next Thursday. I can. Um, li- I, I'll bet you're gonna bet something stupid on the Bethune Cookman game. I can. I can the Bethune Cookman game. Yep. Yeah, I might. I wonder if they'll have a, a prop for uh, Mikey Keen touchdowns. I was gonna game. say, like, can I can I bet on Mikey Keen playing? Because if that's a thing, I'll totally. I don't. Do it. I don't think so. But anyway, we're gonna get back to UCF <laughs> Boise State. This has already gone off the rails. This is insane. I'm gonna stop talking because I feel like I'll, I'll, um, I'm just gonna let you get through this, and I'll pop back. So in. <laughs> we'll pop back in. We've got some interesting interesting facts and stats from uh, both both sides. Uh, as for UCF, we'll start with UCF first. UCF has won its last two games with a debuting head coach. Of course, when Scott Frost debuted in 2016, they beat thir- uh, beat <laughs> South Carolina State 38 nothing. And then when Josh Heupel debuted in 2018, they won at UConn 56 to 17. As Christian kind of mentioned earlier, Thursday's game is UCF's first marquee home opener since Texas in 2007, which was the the game that opened the bounce house. Okay, I That's- want to interrupt again immediately. Yes. Because I, I sent you this last night when I realized that. I just right. want to list you all of the home openers UCF has had in the bounce house area. Let's do it. Texas, an FCS team, an FCS team, an FCS team, an FCS team, FIU, Akron. Ooh, some action. An FCS team, FIU, an FCS team, FIU, an FCS team, an FCS team. Tulsa last year because there was almost no non-conference. And then now Boise State. Like, I, I, I don't think I'd ever processed how just stupid boring the first home game is every year. Well, let's be fair. If it would have been last year what it was supposed to be, it would have been North Carolina. So we, would have, Carolina. we would have talked. Well, I guess we didn't have a podcast back then, but this would have been North Carolina would have been the first marquee home opener since Texas in 07. But that's that's quite the list of teams that you didn't even not even teams, just FCS and FIU and Akron. I, and uh, I don't mean to like, there were some prestigious FCS programs in there, like uh, FAMU and uh, uh, Samford. So, you know, Oops, sorry. I opening at Samford? We played Samford once. We played Charleston Southern one time. I remember that one. Yeah. Do you? I just remember <laughs> seeing it on the schedule. Like when I go back and like look at past schedules, that's a logo that I remember seeing. But of course, my reaction extent. was now I'm just way more nervous for this game. Well, of I'm course. Like, oh, wow. You, like, because also like, and it's a genuine point. So UCF is doing this for the first time since I was 10 years old and Boise does this like every year. Like that's their big thing is like starting with the big game. So like they're very used to this and UCF is very not. So yeah, they consider Um, UCF's attendance streak is on the line. If we're, you know, we're not counting 2020 for anything, but especially because of the attendance with COVID and COVID restrictions, UCF has had 16 straight games with 40,000 plus in attendance again, not counting 2020, but uh, you think we, we get over 40,000. Uh, we will get to that when we do our game predictions. Oh, okay. Well, let's not, let's not skip ahead then. Um, Dylan Gabriel will become the first UCF quarterback to play in three straight season openers since Justin Holman did it from 2014 to 2016. What a a weird stat. You came up with the stat. I did. So it's, it's an interesting stat. I kind of like it. It's just strange to think about. It's just strange to think about. I, I, I told you this, like UCF has been like super stable at quarterback for years now. 
but it doesn't feel that way. Like you could phrase it as UCF has started four quarterbacks in the last three years. Like that is a completely accurate stat. <laughs> it's just in no way in because yeah. you had Max start a couple of games and Wimbush start a couple of games, but really it was, I mean, basically since 2016, the QB situation has been super stable. So I just found it kind of funny. I think that's a piece of trivia. Like you could get someone say like who started UCF season opener in 2019. And there would be a good deal of people that would forget it was Brandon Wimbush. I forget it was Brandon Wimbush sometimes, especially because Dylan Gabriel also threw three touchdown passes in that game, even <laughs> though he did not start. Yeah, it's basically what Mikey Keene's going to do next week against uh, Bethune Cookman. Nah, well, next week, two weeks from uh, two weeks from now. I'm already like thinking as if like this is <laughs> happening this weekend. Um, and finally, uh, the other last little bit of interesting facts and stats for UCF. UCF has scored at least 38 points in its last five season openers. So we'll get on to our game prediction, our score predictions again later, and we'll see if if that streak's going to continue. But uh, as for Boise State, last season ended Boise State's 11-year streak with a 1,000-yard rusher, which that's – Seven-game uh, season will do that. <laughs> yeah, that is true. But I, it was funny. I read that. A lot of this stuff has come from, like, the state of the programs with the uh, from the athletic. And it was just funny because they were like, yeah, it was a shortened season, but, like, no one even came close. And I was like, eh, okay. I mean, I guess, like, if, if, in, if you had, like, a stud running back, maybe they would have come a little bit close, like 750 yards, 800 yards. But they played seven games. So I mean, to do it in seven games, you'd have to average 143 yards a game. I mean, that's at the college level. I would not be like I could see a, a running back do that. Yeah, I could see a running back do it. I couldn't see like it just being an easy thing. No, yeah, no, absolutely not. But anyway, their 11 year streak ended last year. Um, every player who caught a pass for the Broncos last year is back for 2021. I'm sure that probably makes Christian a little nervous. Um, I, my heart rate is rising as, you, as I'm reading these. <laughs> new coach Andy Avalos, uh, 39-year-old first-year head coach who was an all-conference linebacker for Boise State from 01 to 04 before he was an assistant at Boise State from 2012 to 2018. So a matchup between uh, two first-year head coaches, a little bit different with Gus Malzahn considering he's definitely not a real first-year head coach, just a first year at this program. Um, Boise State's last game in the state of Florida came in 2019. As you mentioned, they like to start off with some big games. Um, 2019, they traveled to Tallahassee and beat Florida State 36 to 31. They trailed that game 31 to 13, and they scored the final 23 points in that game. So, which um, let me tell you, uh, I know that's like an impressive comeback. Don't trail 31 to 13 to uh, didn't Florida State win five games that year? I think they they were were not good. Yeah, like that's just not an accomplishment. (laughs) Taggart's last year, right? Uh, yeah, Yeah, that was funny. I think they went five and seven that year. Which yeah, I remember because the fir- I watched that game because of course I did because it was a college football game and it was on TV. The first half was all like, and Twitter was all like, wow, Florida State beating up on Boise State. They're back. The Knolls are back, everybody. And then uh, they weren't. By the way, I have to correct myself. They did not go five and seven. They went six and seven. Sorry. I totally forgot about the Tony the Tiger Bowl. <laughs> Wait, was that the year where they like rescheduled a game to make sure they were bowl eligible? No, that was the first year they were bad. Oh, really? I think they were like, yeah, it was like conference okay. championship weekend. And they were like, what do you mean? We're not supposed to play ULM Monroe right now. <laughs> and finally, what a program. Uh, the last point for Boise State, their last New Year's Six Bowl appearance was 2014, which was a 38 to 30 win over Arizona. And that made them the 2014 Fiesta Bowl champions, which UCF also was a 2014 Fiesta Bowl champions. How about Great. that? Pretty wild. I hate that. Actually, I don't know. I kind of like it. <laughs> I like it. UCF won it. It was what January 1st, 2014 was UCF's Fiesta Bowl. And then I think Boise State's was like December 30th or 31st. I think it was like the 28th or something like that. Yeah. yeah. So the same year, both 2014 Fiesta Bowl champions. It is kind of crazy though. So Boise State hasn't won a hasn't won a major bowl game or been to a major bowl game in seven years. It, it when you put it that way, like 
yeah and i think even if you put it 2014 like 2014 when you when you say the year i think it was like no not that long ago but it really was it was 2014 like i was in high school yeah that's, that's how time works yeah i know but just like <laughs> i don't know I when, I when i hear the i still don't like consider like i don't know just the way my brain works 2014 i was like oh that was a few years ago in 2014 pete DeNovo started a game for ucf that's how long ago <laughs> that season was good old and pete. ucf won a conference title so that was pretty cool but no that is crazy to me and that and honestly like and it's weird because they haven't what the honestly what happened there is the AAC started existing because yeah. Boise State hasn't been bad. I mean, they they win conference titles most years. They're never really not in the top 25. I mean, they're always good for a 10, 11, 12 win season. It's just, there's also the AAC now and that yeah. wasn't in their way before. And I'm sure I, that's, that's rough for them, but now they have a chance to, you know, beat the AAC's premier program. Yeah. And that's where a lot of people are. I mean, that's, I mean, we talked about it at the top. Like the, this game is a huge game just not just for UCF, not just for Boise State, but nationally, like this is being looked at as like some, some are saying, and I will, I mean, we could get onto it, but some are saying like this, the loser of this game may not have even have, have a path back to New Year's Six consideration, which I don't know if I agree with. If, okay, all, that's just not true for either team. I've, that, I've that, read that in multiple places where it's like, oh, this could be an, I was like, I don't know if it could be a limiter in week one. It's especially not true for UCF. It, it, it I think Boise stands more to lose because, yeah. Because say that, I, I, like, you know, if Boise loses the game and then they, but that's it, and then they go 12 and one, but you're looking at like an 11 and two AAC champ that beat UCF, it's just, the narrative is just going to be that's how behind the Mountain West is. Yeah. But if, but either way, I still don't think it kills their chances. UCF, I don't think it kills their chances at all. Unless literally Boise State is the New Year's Six team, I don't see how it affects their chances. Yeah. It, it was just an interesting like narrative. And I, I don't think, like, I don't agree with it, but I don't think, like, I think we'll hear about it. There, we'll it hear... Listen, there's no such thing anymore in college football as an opening game d- defining your season. Clemson and Georgia are about to play the most, like, anticipated opening oh, game, game. In, a, in, like, years, probably since Bama and Florida State in 2017. <laughs> and, well, that was a big game at the time. It was no, it was. Yeah, I know. But either of those teams can lose in any way, like get blown out. And it literally doesn't matter if Georgia loses, they can, they, they can lose another game probably and still make the playoff. If they win the sec Clemson has to win out if they lose, but that's it. Like, like it, you think there's no such get, thing anymore as an opening game. Get blown season. out and it not affect anything. Which team Clemson? No, Georgia. If Georgia gets blown out, let's say they're just going to pull the story. Like if Georgia gets blown out, but then wins out and wins the sec, like there's yeah, no, no situation where the, but even if they don't win out, say they drop another game, if they win the, like the SEC champion is never not going to be in the playoffs. So yeah, I don't think it matters because plus if they get blown out, like look at that Texas A&M, how, what did Texas A&M lose to Bama by last year? Like a lot of 52 lot to of 20 them. something. And they finished fourth in the AP poll. <laughs> like it's just, if you get blown out by a good team and you're also a good team and by good team, I mean a power five program, then they're not going to dock you for it. Yeah. So that's why I just, it's weird how I've read that in multiple places. And every time I read it, I'm kind of no just way. like, what? That's not. That, just, but no I don't I want UCF just, fans to like this game. Regard like it would be really cool if UCF won, but this game does not like is not defining the season. <laughs> like, don't go freak out if UCF loses. Yeah, you're just absolutely preaching on deaf ears right now. Because if, if UCF, UCF gets blown out, fine. You can. If freak UCF out. loses this game, there is going to be quite uh quite the reaction. I know it's just going to be stupid. No, I know, I know that. I agree, but but no, I know it will be. If you see UCF could lose on like anything, like UCF could lose the game by a point, and people would be like, "Where's Jeff Levy? We need to go." You know, it's just all kinds of stupid stuff. So yeah. can't wait for that. 
So what we'll move on to now is we're, we're both going to give three predictions for this game. We're going to alternate back and forth like we always do. And then we'll end by both giving our score predictions for the game. Christian, you're going to have the floor first. I always give you the floor first because I just feel like being a nice guy. You give me the floor first multiple times throughout the podcast. I'm pretty sure like I'll just give you my three predictions before you ever go. It's we'll possible. See. We'll see. What's your first prediction for this game? My first prediction for the game is, as I touched on earlier, I don't, I believe that there will be fewer than 40,000 fans in attendance. So we're starting and, on a low note. Yeah, we are. Uh, you're not going to like any of mine. Um, oh, good. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I like, I, I, if you follow me on Twitter, that this would, this is not a surprising take for me. I like uh, political stuff totally aside. I'm not getting into the political aspect of it. I just think that some UCF fans are not processing how many people are not going to feel comfortable going to a game right now especially in Florida where things are super, super bad. And I'm not trying to turn this into like, I'm not saying whether that's right or wrong. Like I I'm, I mean, I'm going to be in the press box. So it doesn't matter, but I'm going to go to the game. Bailey, I think you're going to the game, right? Yep. Like, so, but I just think that at the end of the day, so I put up a tweet and I said that how, I said, how many fans do you expect there to be at the UCF Boise game? And I was surprised that 261 people voted only 60% said they think there will be a sellout. But what was really fascinating to me was, so many people replied to the tweet with, I am not going because of COVID, like multiple replies, like multiple people were saying that, like a lot of replies. And I was surprised by that. And to me, that doesn't bode well, because you got to think the people following me on Twitter and voting on my poll, that's a subsection of very big UCF fans. Like, like UCF Twitter mafia isn't filling the stadium. Like it's a lot of casual fans fill that stadium. So if even the most hardcore fans, a chunk of them aren't going over COVID, then I think that's going to really hurt the all attendance. I like, I'm going to say right now, I'm projecting, like, I think they'll have like 35, 36,000 people. Yeah. It's, it'll be interesting. It'll definitely be interesting. Cause I like, like you said, I will be there and I'll say right now, like, I don't feel super comfortable going, but like, I just, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to wear a mask. I'm going to be as safe as I can be. Cause I still want to go, but I, I totally understand if people aren't comfortable going to a crowded setting like that, I'm sure there will not be a lot of people wearing masks, whatever you think about that. I don't, we're not talking about that. It's just, I understand if you're not comfortable going to this game. So I get that. The only thing, and I know some of this is, is taking student tickets and guest or not guest tickets, um, away game tickets into account, but they have said at this point, they're 98% sold out of season tickets. So you think a lot of people like season ticket holders are just, are, holding those tickets but not going to go is what you're saying there were multiple people in my replies who who identified themselves as season ticket holders but aren't going do you think they'll sell their tickets i don't know that's what i'm, I'm, cu- I'm just know. curious to see because that's that's such an encouraging number as far as like if you want to see a packed stadium that's an encouraging number but you have to wonder how many of those people that are season ticket holders aren't going to go It'll so i'm going to say two things on this yeah. for the record the first off is like this is more than anything i have said on the podcast in all seven months of doing it I have never so badly wanted to be wrong on anything than this. Like I am praying that you can throw this in my face because on outcome Thursday, because like, and we saw that last year, to be honest, so much of UCF success is because they have the most ridiculously impactful home atmosphere in the group of five. And I think that if, if COVID was just done, like we thought it was a couple months ago and it was not a factor and you, and I knew UCF was going to have a sellout for this game. I don't think it even be a question if UCF was going to win or not. I don't think Boise is ready for an atmosphere like that, but I just, I don't know. I'm just kind of, I'm kind of reading the signs. And at the same time, you've got Orlando city who historically has a very strong fan base, even stronger than UCF's to some extent, because they would pack that stadium, even when Orlando city was terrible, which they were for years. Yeah. And they've been at full capacity since June and they haven't come close to a sellout. They have a 25,000 seat stadium. They're averaging like 17,000 people. 
So I'm just kind of, and it's been dropping as COVID's gotten worse. And the other thing I want to say is I hope that fans understand, like, because there are going to be parts of the country where stadiums are going to be packed. And it's going to be two reasons. There are some parts of the country that have not and will not care about COVID and whatever, good for them. I don't care. And there's going to be parts of the country that are requiring vaccinations to enter the stadium. And those stadiums are probably going to be packed too. And Florida is ground zero for COVID. So I hope that UCF fans don't take this as a knock on the fan base or a knock on these other teams. And don't let other fans say that to you, that they have a better fan base because they don't. It's just UCF's kind of in this odd situation where there's not a vaccine mandate here. State government would never let that happen for a stadium. And at the same time, you, this is literally like the worst. This is the COVID hotbed of the world right now. So I just think that's going to play a role. I hope it doesn't. I, I would yeah. love for that stand to be totally packed. But I just be on guard for that, too. If on Twitter, the USF fans who, you know, haven't <laughs> had fans to their games in 20 years are trying to tell you that, oh, UCF doesn't have fans. Be ready for that because there, there's reason behind it. And it might not be that case all across the country, but I, I think it is going to hurt UCF. I mean, from that fan base, like that shouldn't even warn a reply because. And they will, though. They'll do yeah, that. Yeah, that's what's hilarious. But like, I wouldn't even give them, like, don't even entertain it. No, like, entertain it, though, when they, when in week two and they're like, we got 60,000 people to our game this week. And I'm like, congrats on the 45,000 Florida fans. Yeah, yeah just tweet like, pictures of the orange and blue in their stadium. Um, they, they don't care. They, yeah, it. I don't, I don't disagree with you. I don't, I just, I hope you're wrong. Obviously, I know you said you hope you're Me wrong. Um, but I, I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting to, to follow because and I know like I, I don't really I think there will be a really good student turnout. It seems like there always is like the, the demand for UCF student tickets always. Seems oh, to be I think great. The stu- I don't I'm not worried but, about the students. Even last year when there wasn't a vaccine, the student sections were like well yeah. above the 20 percent capacity they were supposedly held to. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I still, I, like I, like you said, I think it could still be a pretty good crowd. And I still think that this the people that are going to be there are going to be loud and are going to create the a really good atmosphere. I just hope it's, you know close to what we what we we enjoy and what we've seen in the past i don't know if it will be, i'll tell but. you right now this fan base is so nuts if like even if, let's say that like worst case scenario it's like thirty five thousand people it'll be i, I still it's still be loud as hell like yeah. it's still and it's still be the first time boise's face i mean thirty five thousand people i'm like oh that'd be a bad crowd that's still bigger than boise's entire stadium yeah so i you know you can make an impact if you're there do your normal thing don't get I, like that was part of the problem like i went to a couple of the games last year as a fan and like man it is hard when there are eight thousand of you to, to do any like because you can't yeah. even especially everyone was so separated like you can't like because the stadiums like the bounce house gets like that because and we're i did not expect my first point to last this long i just <laughs> want to say stadiums that is bad keep going but like you feed off the energy of the people around you so last year when everyone was set is like separated and only a few people it just there wasn't an atmosphere but i think yeah. this year even if it's thirty five thousand, you will be together you're, uh, for the first time so I, I think i think it can still be a really good atmosphere even if it's not a sellout yeah, I know. Like I said, we're earlier we're doing a um, post game podcast, and we'll see what we'll see what kind of shape my voice is in for that podcast because <laughs> I will be at the game and I will be doing what I can to help the atmosphere. Um, we'll go ahead and move on to my first um, my first prediction for this game. All of mine, I mean, you won't be shocked by this, but all of mine are UCF like positive um, ones. So nice. My first one, uh, UCF will have two receivers go over 100 yards in the game. Who are the two receivers? No, I'm not mentioning that. It's just two oh, receivers. Okay. So I think, I think one of them it'll be Jalen and O'Keefe. Um, I think one of them anyway. Jalen Robinson, but I could see it being Ryan O'Keefe. I could see the other one being Brandon Johnson. I could see it being anyone, just someone we're not really thinking. That's why I didn't want to name like two specific. Because <laughs> his, his big breakout game. That we time. That's the thing. I think this is going to be a weird game. For some reason, I just think it's going to be, it's going to be a really fun game. I think, I think it's going to be a close game, which we'll get onto, but. I think it's going to be a, like an, an interesting, weird game that we'll kind of look back and be like, oh yeah, like that's 
was not expecting to see that happen. So that's that's part of where this is because like I think Dylan Gabriel is going to have a really good game. Um, I looked this up earlier. He has in half of his career starts, he's thrown for over 300 yards, um, 11 out of 22. So it's not um, bad. Yeah, not not terrible. But I, I think he'll have a big day. I think we've seen in the past. We've seen like it's weird how like much UCF will distribute the ball like that. So it's I don't know. I probably should have looked at the last time UCF, and it probably was a couple times last year with Jalen and Marlon Williams. But I think we're not really sure what to expect from the receiver group, but I think we'll get, we'll be, um, we pleasantly surprised with what we get next Thursday. I think two, two receivers go over hundred yards. So I have two thoughts on this. Yes. One, while that Dylan Gabriel stat is impressive, I feel like we also should point out that he historically does not play well in big games. Um, yeah. he has not had a good performance in a big game outside of Memphis last year. Um, all the others have been rough. Um, I'm not saying that's going to continue. I'm just saying something to worry about because that's what I do. And, uh, <laughs> second, I agree with you mainly just because of with the injuries at running back. I don't know how much I know Gus Malzahn is kind of like an established the run first type guy, but I don't know how much they're going to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I would not be surprised that happened, especially because it's like once you figure out what works, like if that's what's working for you, yeah, I think they're going to start chucking it. So we'll see. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if it happened. Um, part of me thinks I don't want it to happen. Because with, I don't know, you hear me out. Because with, <laughs> with the type of coach that Malzahn is, I feel like if you're throwing the ball that much, something's probably not going well <laughs> in the game. Yeah. So I don't know. Part I, I, I could see that being a stat and UCF also lost. I'll, I'll phrase it that way. That's fair. I mean, I, I get that. Because like, a lot of times, obviously, when you're behind in the game, you're going to be throwing the ball. But I think my thought process of it was, and this is completely, like, this isn't, I don't know, this is just me coming up with scenarios in my head because I've been thinking about this game for a long time. But I think like one of them could be a guy that has like eight catches and it has like over hundred yards. And the right. other one could be like four catches. One of them was like a 65 yarder. And then he has some smaller ones. So like, I, I can just see. So. Mm. I, I don't think, see I mean, in a hype, I don't think that's Malzahn seems more about like quick strikes and like methodically getting up the field. I don't know if we're going to be getting like bombs I still, every three plays. Like I don't think so, but I still think that there's going to be some of that. Cause I think, cause Dylan Gabriel's good at that. Well, that's the, and that's what you have to balance too. Cause at the same time, like, yeah, that's not Malzahn's like, but he's also talked about like shaping the offense right. to the quarterback. And I mean, Dylan Gabriel, arguably like, I, is it six? Like he, he, I can probably say he throws a better deep ball than probably anyone in the country. I mean, without, I don't know, without, I mean, he's, re, he's just ridiculous yeah. with the long, I, I mean, it's like, it, like literally I, I've just never seen a guy who can laser in that many yards down the field it's ridiculous yeah. so i so I, I so i don't think that you can just remove that from your game plan right i would like to see the middle of the field get used that would be cool and i'm assuming that'll happen um unlike a previous coach who was here but yeah no i can see that's that happening i just don't know if it necessarily bodes well for ucf which is a weird thing to say because that's obviously an impressive thing to yeah. happen yeah it should be it should be interesting I, i'm i'm intrigued to see if that happens and if it does happen what like in what capacity it does happen because like you said it could mean bad things but i as we get on to with the rest of my predictions, I think things will go UCF's way. So I are we going to keep rec- like, are we going to keep like prediction records through the season? If you want to, if we're going to keep going, doing it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I like, I like that idea. I, right. I want, I want people to know exactly how much I don't know. <laughs> the only thing is like, I don't want us to get to the point where if we're keeping track of it so much that like, we're just going with easy predictions, <laughs> so, like, just, just like, a pad, like stat pad. I don't want to do that. I predict that Dylan Gabriel but, will start this week. Yeah. <laughs> Um, go ahead and give me your second prediction for the game. All right. My second prediction is that UCF's defense will outshine UCF's offense. I like, I mean, I, well, I was saying, I'm going to say I like it. 
but I can see that because of like we've talked about in past podcasts, when you're installing and you're a new, they can, when you're a new coaching staff and you're installing the defense always comes, comes along quicker. Yep. So I could see that being the case for the first game. It's the, it's the first time we're seeing this iteration. Yeah, I don't think this is a season long trend, right? But I do think for this game. Yeah. Interesting. And so in like, well, I don't want to get too much into your like score prediction or anything, but does that mean you're, you're thinking like a lower scoring game? Or are you thinking that just in terms of like big plays, splash plays, the defense is the bigger talking point coming out of the game? Uh, I don't, I, it, we'll get to that in score predictions. Okay. Um, <laughs> but my, so my couple, a couple reasons I can, this is what you just said. I think the defense is just, we, they, we've talked about the defense is dominating the offense in practice defense is just there right now and you know the offense it's a brand new system there's you know that that's pretty commonplace when you get a new coaching staff the defense gets there first I think that they've got some ridiculous playmakers especially on the d-line like we've talked about with big cat Kalia Davis Ricky Barber that I, I I just expect big moments from those guys and I especially expect it because Boise State named their starting quarterback Hank Bachmeyer or however you say that name you know I, I wish more yeah. quarterbacks had like pronounceable names I'm having a hard time with it like Tago Vailoa that took a long time and I still say it wrong um, I, I'm not even going to try to say Clemson's new quarterback's name. I have no idea how to say that. I, I knew um, it at one time, but I don't know if I know it. It, it, it whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Hank Bachmeyer, if I'm saying that right, sorry if I'm not, that he was named a starting quarterback, not necessarily surprised because he'd started for them before. I don't know why it really was an open contest. I must've been missing something there, but anyway, I was like, I'll do as you do. I'll go watch some Hank Bachmeyer highlights on YouTube as you do. And as you do, <laughs> and he doesn't appear to be able to like if the pocket collapses. And I think if you're going up against a really tough D line, that's not a great quarterback to have. Um, so I'm probably, I think that's going to really play into things. I mean, seriously, like, I, I, I don't know. I, I just, after watching, like as much of like a nervous person as I am, I watched like 20 minutes of Bachmeyer videos and these were highlights. It wasn't just like straight up game film. And I was like, yeah, no, this is, this guy's not going to be a problem. <laughs> so I yeah. hope I'm not horribly wrong on that, but I just, I don't know. I'm feel I'm feeling really good about the D line. Yeah, and I just think that at the end of the day, that might be more what the difference is for UCF. Like, I don't think I don't think UCF necessarily needs to put up a billion points to win this game. Yeah, and I think for me, like looking at Boise State, I feel better. Uh, I don't want to say I feel better, but I feel good about UCF's defense. Even like with all the question marks, I feel good about UCF's defense going up against Boise State's offense. I just don't think Boise State is. In, in recent years, they haven't been as flashy or as impressive on offense. Um, as they used to be. And I know that there's been talk about them like needing to bring that back, needing to get back to where they were. But I still feel feel good about UCF's defense in this matchup. I think it's a good matchup for them to start with. Um, I know less about Boise State's defense, but like like we've talked about, like with the offense, there might be some growing pains, um, especially with the unknowns at running back and we're not really sure what we're getting from the receivers. Um, so yeah, I, mean, I don't, I think that's a, that's a good prediction. I just think for as much as the offenses we've talked about, guys who have popped in camp guys who look good guys who are going to contribute or want to contribute like I just think especially with the offense like a lot of that just has to get sorted out in the games you know like there's just only so much you can do in practice so I I think that I I think we're going to watch the offense learn in real time and I'm not trying to say that that's going to like limit UCF season well it might a little bit especially with the running backs but I, I just from game one against a really good team I just I'm not projecting some high scoring back and forth affair well I might be, but anyway, we'll get on to my second, okay. <laughs> we'll get on to my second prediction, which well, that's actually, good. Cause then one of us will be clearly wrong. Yeah. One of uh, <laughs> so it's kind of on that similar note. My second prediction is that UCF will score a defensive or a special teams touchdown. Like I mentioned earlier, 
I just, for some reason, think this is going to be a weird game where like things happen that we just weren't expecting. I don't know why I just have this thought in my head. That this is like, this is not going to be a very straightforward game. I think this is going to be just a return to like, oh man, we miss college football. This is why we miss college football so much. Cause it's a, it's a Thursday night games are wonky anyway. I yeah. Mean, that just kind of happens. That is uh, true. I'm going to give it to you right now. Johnny Richardson punt return touchdown. Think so. I don't even know if he's going to be returning punts, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I see. I don't know. Like I, I didn't know enough to say like, this is who's going to be returning punts and kicks or even that like their kick return units can be that good. I just think we're going to get one just non-traditional touchdown somehow. Maybe they block a field goal and return it for a touchdown. I don't know. If we're going non-traditional touchdowns, can I predict the Khalid Davis touchdown? I almost did that. <laughs> I almost had that as, but I was like, I don't know if they'll break that out in the first game. I don't think Maybe they will either. That. Then again, it is but... Boise though. I mean, I don't think you're, I don't think, I don't think you want to use that against like Buffoon. I mean, I no, of know. course not. No, I was thinking that just, it would be one of those things that like, you don't put it on film and then you break it out in like week six or something like that. Is week six? I think, I think my new like dream for this season is Kalia Davis Multiple sacks touchdowns. Ritter on third down yeah. to give the ball <laughs> back to UCF and then scores the game winning touchdown. <laughs> I think that's my new hope for the season. I think I want to see multiple touchdowns from Khalil, Kalia Davis this year. I, I'm, I'm so confused. I'm so I, said, I said Khalil on accident because the Bucks have a Khalil Davis and UCF has a Kalia Davis. That is confusing. So well, we fun. have Kalia Davis, the yeah, much Kalia better Davis. one. <laughs> well, I've decided. <laughs> um, all right, give me your third, third and final prediction before we get to mine and then the score predictions. My third and final prediction is truly out there, but I feel good about it. I think okay. that Dylan Gabriel is going to have a rushing touchdown. <laughs> I had a feeling you were going to do one of your like classic sarcasm. Like I, no, I think he jokes. will. I think he no, will. I know, no, I know. But I'm saying like you were like, oh, it's really out there. I don't think it's like that out there. I think for the seventh time in program history, Dylan Gabriel is going to score a touchdown with his leg. <laughs> when you put it that way, I mean, <laughs> I, but I do. I almost feel like Gus might do that just to prove a point. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> you know, I, I absolutely agree. Yeah, so I could totally see it happening. I, I, I think if they get in the red zone, I think that, or even maybe a little outside of it, I think that's they're gonna, totally possible. They're going to get down to the seven yard line. He's going to say, Dylan you don't pull this ball back. You're keeping this ball. And then he's going to score. It's not even going to be an option. He's just like, it's just like <laughs> yeah. a QB draw. It's like, this is your ball, dude. Like you're going in the yeah. end zone. Was there, was it the 2019 game against Houston where you had that really, really long run? I don't even yeah, remember. He had it because that was the second time all season he kept the ball. So Houston <laughs> yeah. had no reason to anticipate yeah. that. No one even noticed. It was like 30 yards and no one, like even the fans didn't realize he They're had like, it. Wait a it was like crossing the plane. It was Where's ridiculous. The ball? Yeah, no, I do. I do remember. So yeah, I, I think that's a good prediction. Cause I do think, I think, They've talked about it this offseason. I know Gus has talked about it. Coach Kenny's talked about it where he says, yeah, he's got like got the mobility. He's got the ability to extend plays. And we're like, wait, does he really? Does he? And we're just like waiting. We're like waiting to see it. And I mean, we saw it a little bit in the spring game. It felt yeah. like at times I was watching well, it in slow motion, but we did. Oh, well, that's right. But I mean, he did, you know. <laughs> yeah. He used his know, legs I, and it worked. So I like it because I do. I think it's going to be a good game for him. I think it's going to be a better game for the offense, I guess, than maybe you're thinking it's going to be. Um, I'm not. You'll but, see. With my, I'm not predicting a bad game. Okay. Here, here's the disconnect. I found it. I'm not predicting a bad game for the offense, but the offense has been averaging 45 plus okay, points yeah. a game for like three years, and I'm not predicting that type of performance in this game. Okay. To be fair, neither am I. Okay. Um, but all right, we'll go. My last prediction before we get your score prediction, um, and this kind of ties into my score prediction. But mine is uh, UCF will win a one possession game for the first time since November of 2019, and that I, doesn't sound like a okay. very long time ago because it kind of wasn't. But they went 0-3 last year in one possession games. They went 2-7 and 7 
under Josh Heupel in one possession games. We also should point out the one you're referring to was Tulane, which they I believe they won 34 to yeah, 31. That and they were up like three scores in late in the third quarter yeah. and just stopped trying. And so, so like it was wanna, never a close game. I have the nine one possession games they played under Heupel. Do you want to hear them all? I think I know them all, but go ahead. Okay. Well, 2018, it was the one uh, win at Memphis, 31-30. And then the second one was the loss in the Fiesta Bowl to LSU. 2019 was there were three losses at Pitt, at Cincy, at Tulsa, and then Total the win seven points I believe in the win games. at Tulane, and then last year was a loss at home against Tulsa, the loss at Memphis, and the loss at home against Cincinnati, and so so every time UCF plays a good team, essentially. <laughs> well, the thing is, it's it's funny about all these is like most of those were on the road, and then there was the one neutral side against LSU, so they haven't the only two one possession games they played at home under Heupel were last year. And like we said, those may have gone differently if there's a full crowd. Those may have gone differently if there's a different head coach. That is also Um, very true. But so I think that's fair too. But I do think, but I I think the Cincinnati game specifically, since the fact that Cincinnati had their best season ever and beat and only beat a six win UCF team in an empty stadium by three, UCF went to that game with a full crowd. Totally. And so because of that, they haven't won a one possession home game since the 2017 conference championship game. Wow. That's when, crazy. When you put it that way, it sounds like because they just don't play many, many one possession games at home. That's why it's been and, so weird. Like the Hypo era at UCF was literally a devastating blowout win to the point that the other team can like barely pull themselves together or a close loss. And, yeah. and that was like the only two types of outcomes possible. Yeah. So that's why I think the Gus Malzahn era gets started with a one possession game at home and it's a win. I, I totally agree. In fact, my score prediction might uh, might be exactly that. All right, let's hear your score prediction then. My score prediction, I believe that UCF is going to beat Boise State 30 to 24. Ooh, now, okay. I say 30 because I'm just guessing Obarski will miss a PAT at some oh, point. Come on. But come on. I'm predicting 30 to 24 will come be UCF's on. That's kind of fair, but let's – we didn't. I'm going to say, there. barring like a first possession score, I also don't think UCF will trail at any point. Ooh, interesting. See, I had my score prediction, but I kind of want to walk it back now. But that leaves me scrambling mid-podcast <laughs> nope. trying to figure nope. out what it's going to be. I want what you wrote down. So what I wrote down was that UCF beats Boise State 38-30. to 30. I'm starting to think for, for, for a while, even while I was coming up with this, I was thinking 38 seems like a lot. It's not, I think, in the grand scheme of like what UCF's offense is used to putting out. But 38, I was like that seems like maybe too much to put on for this offense in its first game this season under a new coaching staff. But then I was like, well, maybe it's not enough. Maybe we're like overblowing that too much. And they're actually going to come out and score like 47 points. I don't know. I mean, they've scored 38 plus points in their last five season. Nope. There you go. So they've got to hit that 38. Um, I, can, I, I don't think 38 is unattainable. I just don't, we talked about this on past podcasts. I don't think under Malzahn, I don't think it's a bad thing. I don't just don't think UCF is going to be putting up 45 points every single game anymore. Yeah. Cause the problem was the sacrifice to do that was to kill your defense. And <laughs> yeah, I don't think much. Malzahn's willing to do that. And no, I could see that happening, which is hilarious. Cause I think you said 38 to 30. Yeah. That would be funny. Cause they'd miss the over by like a point. <laughs> it would, it would. <laughs> um, but also, so when I was doing that, I was like, ah, oh, maybe, maybe that seems a little too high or maybe even too low. And then I was like, but is Boise State going to score 30 points? I don't think so. And then, I could that, totally so that's why, like, mid-podcast, I was kind of like, oh, I don't know if I want to go with this, but you told me I had to, so. Which, if Boise does are. score 30, I hope people don't get all like, oh, the defense is still bad, because Boise yeah, if, is Boise. If the Thune scores 30, then you can go crazy, but. No, because Austin P scored 33, and we were cool with it in 2017. <laughs> Well, we also scored seven, what, 77 points in that game, 73 points in that game. 73 points. Yeah. So 
we'll see. We'll see what happens with Bethune Cookman, but we're not there yet. We've got this game. All right. I have a question. I have a question for you. Go ahead. Yeah. Let's say that we live in a world where either my score prediction or your score prediction is going to come true. Okay. Which would you rather see? Like if you get to pick the game. <sighs> if we're just basing off score predictions and like not scenarios. Cause like my first just straight thought, up, my first all you know like, is that UCS, will be the final score. UCS going to be winning like 38, 23 and they're going to have a garbage time touchdown to lose <laughs> to where to win 38, 30, because we can't escape garbage time touchdowns. Well, at least we know in your world, Obarski makes a field goal. Yeah. So that's a positive. Well, or maybe Riker Casey does. Oh, I hope Riker Casey does. We don't does. actually know. <laughs> we don't. Um, I think that's still an open competition. I kind of want to say I kind of want to say your score prediction, actually. I'd sacrifice okay. eight points from the offense for the defense holding a team under 25 points. That's fair. I, I think, think I might pick yours. Really? I think so, that'd be a more fun game, more open. I think oh, you know, yeah, I mean, fun fun game why yeah, I think it would be that would be, but I also still think if, about... if this defense, Boise State, which wins 12 games every year, if this defense holds them to 30, that means they're going to hold a lot of their teams to like 14 or 17 or whatever. So I'd be, I, I wouldn't. That's what out. I want to see. It depends UCS. on how it looks too. Like if, if the, if like the secondary is getting like blazed on every play, then yeah, I'm going to be yeah. concerned. But like if the, if, if the defense is getting stops consistently and just, it, you know, I, you know, I'll be okay with it. Yeah. And I think that's really what I want to see. And we talked about this like long, long time ago where I'm actually like, almost more excited to watch UCF's defense than I am their offense for the first time in a long time. I kind of agree. And I really just want to see, and I obviously don't think it will happen in this game, but I want to see a game this year, not against Bethune-Cookman, not against UConn, where they hold a team like under 20 points, where it's like they only give up like 13, 10, 14. Which isn't that high of a bar. We're talking about this like it's some mythical thing because it's been that way for UCF for so many years. A lot of teams do that fairly regularly. Like if UCF went on the road to Louisville and won like, 31 to 14 i would be so happy i would take like i w- it would be worth it to me like i like i would not mind going to louisville and winning like 20 to 7 oh that would be fun too i was yeah, cool under 10 points would be even like i would just yeah it's worth the offense not being I think, ridiculous like, i don't know why this is, like a, this is like a startling realization to me that i'm like very very like a much a defensive person even though i feel like i'm for my most of my life just been like Oh yeah, defense fine, but like. But honestly, I've, it's because outside of Gabriel, the playmakers we're most excited to see this year are on that side of the ball. That is true. So I think that plays. And Jalen Robinson, I'm excited about Jalen Robinson. Oh yeah, for sure. No, I don't, I'm not trying to discount the offense. I'm just right. saying it, it. Like there have been defensive players that we've liked a lot yeah. in recent years, but like it just maybe it's just maybe I don't know. It's gonna suck if we're totally wrong on the defense. <laughs> it's yeah. not good. That would be so. But like everything about this D line, even Gus the, the other day when the board of trustees were touring the football facilities, I don't think he even realized there was media there. And he was like, yeah. Oh, you're going to love our D line. And I'm yeah. like, please. Be true. Do you, do you want to know a, this isn't, this isn't going to count as a prediction, but do you want to know one that I almost picked? But then I was like, ah, that might just be too bold. Cause we're not doing okay. bold. Prediction, it prediction. doesn't count. Doesn't count okay, okay. for the record. Doesn't count. But so UCF averaged 2.6 sacks per game last year. And my prediction was going to be, that they're going to get five in this game. But then I was like, that might be too That's much a little bold. because Boise State's O-line, while there's like, I guess it's, it hasn't been the greatest in the last few years, but it's experienced at least. Um, and yeah, I just don't know if I could, could have predicted that to actually be like, if, if we were doing bold predictions, that's where I was going to go, but we were just doing regular predictions, trying to get these right. So I'm not saying it can't happen. Totally. No, I mean, I think it could, it I just bold. thought it, it was bold. a little bit, a little bit too much for not, for not actually having seen this defense play. Yeah, was, we'll see how they look, and then maybe that can be our uh, Bethune prediction. Uh, I don't know. Or the Bethune will be five sacks in the first half, the first quarter. <laughs> first quarter. 
that game is going to be a fun one to, to talk I, about. Listen, I, I know I complain about them, but like what you talked about, like I am excited for Bethune Cookman strictly just for the second half because you always want to see what's coming next. And yeah. I think that's the cool part of FCS games. Even though FCS games, it looks like their their time is coming to an end soon with the way college football is <laughs> going, which isn't the worst thing. It does suck for all those athletic departments that completely fund themselves on buy games, but it's okay. UCF will have to schedule them since the Pac-12, Big Ten, and ACC are only playing each other. And uh, the SEC is only playing itself, and uh, UCF will be in the Big 12. So it'll be really cool. What an interesting thing you just said. Um, we're going to go, we'll, we'll, we'll move away from the <laughs> if game. If you follow preview. me on Twitter, you'll see where that all came from. Yeah. We're going to move away from the game preview. Really just cannot wait for kickoff. We're a week away. So um, we're going to jump into some football news here. The team captains, we talked about on the podcast last week, we were like, oh, yeah, they might announce them on Twitter pretty soon. Like, I'm pretty sure it was like maybe right after we finished recording. It was like the next day. The next morning or something. Yeah. Um, So the team captains, as voted on by the players, are Dylan Gabriel, Big Cat Bryant, Brandon Johnson, and Sam Jackson. Um, That's just – I mean, that that group, did anybody, like, surprise you? I'm like, yeah. I think it's super noteworthy that half the team captains weren't here. Yeah. Before this season. I think that's cool. I think that says a lot about the culture Malzahn's been instilling, you know? And that's the one too, is like, I think just based off of like everything we've heard about him and the fact that he was a captain at Auburn and just his personality, it, I'm not so surprised that big cat is a captain. Um, it's still impressive that, you know, he came in this quickly and has already earned the respect of his, his peers like that. But Brandon Johnson is the one that like, we, you know, we, we've talked about the wide receivers and we're like, Oh yeah, maybe Brandon Johnson's going to be one to step up. Like, we'll see. And the fact that he's voted as a captain makes me kind of think, oh, he might actually be one of the the key central receivers uh, on this team. So, yeah, I, I think other than that, I'm not surprised by Sam Jackson or Dylan Gabriel. But um, those are your four captains for the season. Um, Terry Mohajer presented plans for a new football campus to the UCS Board of Trustees last week, as Christian mentioned. Um, that thing is impressive. Just the plans, the renderings, impressive. It's it's it, it, like I, I know it's a long term goal. So it's not like they're starting construction tomorrow. I think that's like a, here's what things will look like in five years, basically. That yeah. is the stuff they presented. If you haven't seen it already, I wrote a story about it on Night Sports Now. Go check it out. Check our Twitter, my Twitter. It's my pinned tweet. Um, looks freaking awesome. Like the yeah. stuff, and I, and I also tweeted, you should really just follow me um, about Mahajers. I tweeted photos of Mahajers, the facilities he built at Arkansas State, oh, yeah. which are like better than a lot of Power Five facilities. And it's in the Sun Belt which the Sunbelt just does not have money. I don't know how he does it, but that's why that's really like, cause Danny white was really good at being like, guys, we're going to build a lazy river. And it's going to be the coolest thing. And then five years will go by. And he's like, guys, we're going to build a lazy river. It's going to be the coolest. It's coming. Thing. <laughs> it's coming. Just hold on. It's coming. Yeah. He was, he was great at that. He did a really good job of never actually doing what he was going to say he was going to do. Um, but Mahadri isn't like that. When Mahadri gives you a plan, it's because they're going to do it. And that's why I think I'm so much more excited for this than I was for any of the crap Danny white threw at us. Cause that stuff was just like, this is to get money. And yeah. Mahajra was like, this is to be, to, this is to do it. So they're at, I mean, I, we're not going to like break down the whole plan, but you know, yeah, go check it out. It's, it, it's, it's just so cool. I like the lazy I'm, river survives. We don't know a how a couple of times, like, a couple of times in the last few days, I've just like kind of gone back to the renderings and just to, just to look at them just be like, Oh, that's impressive. Like that, that'll be fun. Just like, I, I don't know. It's, it's, exciting. it's, it's, it puts UCF up there with anybody. It really Terry Mahajra. I just have been so impressed with him since he got here. Um, he's better than Danny White. I'm calling it right now. I mean, I'm realizing, I don't know to go on a total tangent. I'm realizing while Danny White was a very good AD, he, I'm realizing, I think he was very good at one thing and that was hiring coaches. And that is the most important job in, of an athletic director. So that's a very good thing to be really good at. But yeah. I actually am realizing, I don't think he was actually good at anything else except that facilities fell off. They'd only did, they not only did improve, they fell off. Um, didn't schedule anybody. 
Uh, he was a, just, he was a good fundraiser, I thought. He was a good fundraiser, but like at the same time, like I was looking at like some donations, like in Mahajer's last year or in the in the year Mahajer opened that facility, they only had one million dollars less in donor contributions than UCF did. Mm. And Arkansas State should not be in the same realm as UCF on fundraising. So that to me suggests that there is more room for UCF to grow there. That is true. Um, UCF in the NFL news, Jacob Harris caught his first NFL touchdown on Saturday in the Rams preseason game, caught it against the Raiders with 15 seconds left to bring it to a one-point game. The Rams opted to go for two, didn't get it, but who cares? It's the preseason. And Jacob Harris caught his first NFL touchdown. So congratulations to him. Uh, Dylan Gabriel was named to yet another watch list. He's on the watch list for the Unitas Golden Arm Award. I've lost track of how many watch lists he's on at this point. Um, all of them. Pretty, I think all of them that he could be on. Uh, UCF Night Talk is back in 2021, starting on August 30th at Island Wing Company, just across the street from UCF's campus. Uh, it'll normally be on Thursdays, but for non-Saturday game weeks, it'll be on Mondays. So this Monday, Gus Malzahn will be talking uh, to Mark Daniels, um, talking about this week's game, which just – Saying that again, this week's game is pretty cool. Um, former former UCF news. Former UCF defensive back Antoine Collier is now at FAMU. And former UCF defensive back Brandon Moore is no longer on the Florida State roster. Um, we don't. We certainly know what happened there, right? He entered the transfer portal while oh, we did were he? talking. Yes. Oh, while we were talking. Yep. Well, that's kind of disappointing. Maybe he got – maybe the depth chart came out and he's not going to play. It was a personal decision. He was not kicked off the team or anything like that. Interesting. So. Well, hope for, hoping for the best for him. Was kind of excited to see him playing for Florida State. But we'll see what Come happens. Back, we'll see Sam. what's next. We'll see what's next. Uh, former Auburn and Kentucky quarterback Joey Gatewood has transferred to UCF. He's also a former four-star. Uh, Gus said on Tuesday that he's not eligible right now. They're kind of going to see what the paperwork on that and see if, yeah, he missed the deadlines. Eligible. They're going to, they're going to need a waiver. I don't know if that's going to yeah. happen, but either way they'll have him for next year at the bare yeah. minimum. Um, Dylan Gabriel, again, um, more attention on him. He was number 33 on ESPN's uh, 2021 list of top 100 players in college football. That's all we'll say about that list. I don't want to talk any more about it. Um, according to Jason Beatty of the Orlando Sentinel, Jason started the Orlando Sentinel this week. So big shout out to him. Uh, UCF's board of trustees uh, meeting to vote on the stadium naming rights deal has been rescheduled for Thursday. I think it was originally scheduled for, I don't know if it was last week or a couple weeks ago, but they have to get that across the line because the deal is supposed to go into effect next Wednesday, right? The day before the season starts. So yep. <laughs> hopefully everything goes. There, there's been some movement there, 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 there have been, there's a square, isn't there? There's a square on the side of the there's stadium, a square now. on the side of the stadium. So, so just do with that what you will. They're just, expecting that to go through i guess i don't know we're on if you're square. not busy tonight listeners go check out the square that's we're on, now square on the watch. Side of the we're on building square watch. um three notable things from elsewhere around the kingdom in ucf sports women's soccer they opened their regular season last thursday with a 4-0 win over texas after that game caroline delisle was named the aac goalkeeper of the week and it got ucf into the coaches poll they're number 19 this week and up next they'll have a match at florida on thursday night Heck of a start for them. This um, means more, man. It does. It does mean more. Um, women's soccer, men's soccer, women's tennis, men's tennis, and baseball. That's all grouped together in this one. Uh, contract extensions for all of their coaches. T Tiffany Roberts, the Haydack from women's soccer, has signed through 2025. Scott Calabrese with men's soccer has signed through 2027. Brian Konieko has signed through tw the 2026-27 season with women's tennis. John Roddick of men's tennis through 24, the 2024-25 season and Greg Lovelady through the 2025 season for the baseball team. And super, um, uh, super excited about uh, four of those. 
I don't um, want to, I don't think not, we have not time. so much about the fifth one. I don't but... think we have time for this. I really don't. <laughs> I was expecting you to say something. I was trying to move on to the next one. I don't think we have time for this. Um, do you want to talk? It about was it? lovely. You want to talk lovely. about it? How long are we? What are we at right now? Almost an hour, I think. We'll do another podcast. We'll do next week. Okay. Okay. Uh, just real. Let's do something brief, just so we get this out. Okay. There. Bailey likes Greg Lovelady, and I don't. Okay. I didn't realize it was going to be that simple, but <laughs> fair enough. Um, for the record, as we were talking about this earlier off the podcast, I I get your point. I see why maybe he hasn't like. I don't know. I think like I, I can see why they gave him a contract extension. I can also see why you don't think he deserves one. I, for the record, I didn't say that they should fire him. Right. I don't think they should. Right. I just don't see what he's done to earn. As I, as I sat back and reflected on that conversation, I was like, okay, well, I kind of definitely get where you're coming from, but I also can see reasons why maybe they thought, okay, let's, let's do it. Let's lock him up. Um, but anyways, that's enough for, for this conversation. Um, I don't think, I don't think we disagree on that as much as I thought we did. Like when we, yeah, text, we, 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 we had, we, we had a whole that. text about it. That was a yeah. little, little controversial, a little uh, confrontational. I guess. Yeah. But I, I don't after, like, after looking back, I was like, wait, I think he might be like, I see where he's coming from. I don't know if he sees where I'm coming from, but who cares? Um, <laughs> the final piece of, uh, of non-football news, men's basketball has announced their 2021-22 non-conference schedule, and we're just going to run through it because I feel like it. Uh, their season opener is at home against Robert Morris on November 10th. They have at Miami on November 13th, uh, back home on November 16th against Jacksonville. That's my mom's birthday. Happy early birthday, mom. Uh, at Evansville on November 20th. Uh, at home against Oklahoma on the 27th, which is my dad's birthday. Happy early birthday to my dad. Um, <laughs> at Auburn on December 1st. Back home on December 5th against Bethune-Cookman. North Carolina A&T on, uh, at home on December 11th. They've got Florida State in the Orange Bowl Classic on December 18th. Then back home, North Alabama on the 22nd of December. And then finally, uh, Michigan at home on December 30th. So Heck of a schedule. That's a pretty brutal non-conference schedule. Yeah, they could go like 500 on that and still make the tournament. Well, that's – I hope that happens. I mean, <laughs> I really would love to see another tournament appearance out of them. It would just be just be the grandest thing. Um, but, man, I don't know I don't know why. I don't know why I said it like that. But the grandest thing. The grandest, I think the grandest thing. thing would be football in the year six bowl. But I think yeah, the grandest no. thing is the fact that football is back in a week and we will be back next week with episode 33. The post-game podcast will be talking shortly after – however long it takes for Christian to get out of the stadium, me to get out of the stadium and both of us to get to Christian's house to record. We'll, we'll probably have some time. Like there's like a little bit of a buffer for us to cool down from however we're feeling and hopefully we'll be able to talk and hopefully I'll be able to talk and my voice will be there. That's, that's the big hope. We're not really sure how that's going to go. Yeah. But, so tune in to listen to us break down UCF's big win over Boise state. That's right. Absolutely. Friday, Friday morning. It'll be, it'll be up there Friday morning. When you wake Which, up Friday morning. Whole, for the record, if, they don't win it is going to be a rough podcast i don't we will do really want best. to put that out into the universe right now um well it's not going to happen you, you right. saw our score predictions they're going to win yeah we're always right about everything especially <laughs> christian except the attendance um, I was, i'm wrong about that hopefully <laughs> well until next week you can find us on twitter at bailey j adams 22 please help me get to 800 followers i really want to get there at by ca simmons help him get to a thousand um, he's already beating me, but I want to help him anyway. Um, and at night sports now, and until then enjoy week zero, enjoy UCF's uniform reveal tailgating, being back in the bounce house and what will hopefully be a UCF win next Thursday night. And we'll talk to you next week. Goodbye. Bye everybody.